This is HSBC Global Viewpoint, your window into the thinking, trends and issues shaping global banking and markets. Join us as we hear from industry leaders and HSBC experts on the latest insights and opportunities for your business. A heads up to our listeners that this episode is being recorded remotely, therefore the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the latest in our Reg Talks podcast series. We are featuring a variety of different topics that are currently trending in regulation, and we now explore the European Long-Term Investment Fund. Introducing the topic is HSBC Security Services Senior Product Manager for Global Trustee and Fiduciary Services, Very Sandeman. Very, over to you. Thanks, Gabriella. As you said, we're going to be discussing the LTIF today. This fund vehicle was originally introduced in 2015 as an innovative form of EU AFE to facilitate long-term investment in real assets. And eligible investments include infrastructure, real estate, intellectual property, and small and medium-sized enterprises. Due to the limited uptake of the vehicle, the EC published proposed amendments to the LTIF regulation in November 2021, and this has included some key improvements resulting in renewed interest in LTIFs. Now, I'm delighted to explore this further today with my guests, Emmerich Lechartier, Managing Director at Carn Group, the third-party fund management company, Jérôme Vigny, partner at Elvinger Haas Prusen, legal firm for financial services, and my colleague, Michael Madsen, global head of product for private assets at HSBC Securities Services. A very warm welcome to you all, and thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us, and happy to join this podcast. Thank you, thank you all. So firstly, coming to you, Emmerich, as I touched on in the introduction, the uptake of LTIFs has been limited with around 60 LTIFs launched since 2015. And domiciliation has also been concentrated in only four member states, Luxembourg, France, Italy, and Spain. Now, some have attributed this to the barriers to retail investment or the restrictive fund limits. Emmerich, I'm really interested to hear though what you feel is behind the LTIF not quite taking off as a vehicle to the extent the EC originally hoped for. So the, the asset classes that it covers, as you've pointed out in your introduction, um, mainly historically have appealed to, uh, to institutional clients. Um, so there hasn't been much exposure from mass affluence and, and retail uh, clients. And uh, the illiquid nature of the uh, of the asset is is what's is mainly been the uh, the issue um you know around this concept of liquidity you you have potential suitability issues for private clients that may want to access their their capital readily so that that has been i guess a, a one of the main barriers to entry okay thank you that's some really good points there Marit. thank you and whilst the uptake to date may have been lower than anticipated, the ESMA stats do show, however, that there has been an uptick in the market, with more than half of the LTIFs in existence being registered in the past two years. And a recent study by Scope has also put the assets under management at seven and a half billion euros, which is five billion euros higher than previously estimated. Emmerich, what do you think is appealing about the LTIF in its current form that has resulted in this increase? So I think the, the asset class has really 
the asset class that you've described that really come on the radar uh, recently because of the quality and the stability of the returns. Um, the, you will find that um, the private wealth channels are always looking for better ways to diversify and optimize the portfolios of their, of their clients. And they, this is a channels that have been particularly interested in that structure uh, to facilitate investments for, for, um, for their, their, their clients. Um, you know, on top of that, you'll find that um, the new rules will, um, you know, will allow some, uh, you know, a certain level of mitigation uh, on the, uh, the liquidity issue. So I think that, that this interest will, will grow. Um, there's an underlying trend as well on the ESG uh, subject, um, you know, gaining exposure to uh, hard assets that uh, focus on generating renewable uh, energy. Um, you know, there are other uh, segments like water treatments, which are which are quite uh, appealing. Um, and the the structure, the ELTIF, is really um, the the vehicle that would, you know, being a well regulated um, uh, structure, that would be a suitable vehicle for the mainstream, you know, retail slash um, affluent uh, mass affluent client base that. Uh, that those private uh, wealth channels would, would service. Thank you. Some really interesting and appealing features there then, even in its current form, Emmerich. And obviously, as part of the recent CMU action plan, the EC has considered how it can harness this increased interest in the asset class and refine the ELTA regulation to overcome some of the perceived barriers to uptake. Jérôme, coming to you now, could you give us a brief summary, please, of what you see as the top three changes that the EC is proposing to make? Sure, thank you. Uh, the first change is about removing barriers to entry for retail investors. Uh, there currently is a 10,000 investment minimum, as well as an obligation to verify for investors having financial instruments portfolios not exceeding half a million euros, that their aggregate in instrument investments in LTIFs don't exceed 10%. The proposal is to scrap both requirements and to therefore facilitate investment by retail investors. This is very welcome, in particular, the removal of the wealth test, which is deemed redundant with the MIFID suitability test. The second category of changes aims at amending certain restrictive fund rules, especially for LTIPs reserved to professional investors. Cash borrowing is currently limited to 30% of the fund's capital. The proposal is to raise the limit to 50% and for professional investor LTIFs to 100%. This is the recognition that it is difficult to serve the needs of both professional and retail investors through a single approach. And then finally, the third type of change is designed to broaden the scope of eligible investments, in particular the possibility to invest in funds that are not LTIFs themselves, but pursue similar strategies. Okay, thank you. Thanks for outlining those proposals. And Emmerich, as a management company, which of these changes do you see as having the most positive impact on the ability to grow the LTIF as a product? Lowering the minimum is a key element because of the nature of the uh, of the uh, of the client base that it, it looks to uh, to to service. Um, so smaller investors, retail, mass affluent uh, type of investors, you know, in order to to have a well diversified uh, portfolio, will need to be able to um, subscribe smaller smaller amounts. So this is key, and it's been spotted by the uh, uh, 
by the, the European regulator. Um, the broadening of the elig eligible uh, investment uh, is also something that's going to allow, allow the portfolio managers to build a, a liquidity element to the strategy and service the potential redemptions um, from investors. So uh, again, appealing to a, a client base that would not have been invested to, to an illiquid uh, liquid vehicle in the, in the past. Okay, thank you. Some really valid points there. Thank you. And staying with you, Emmerich, do you foresee challenges to the implementation of any of these proposed changes? So the liquidity management will be the challenge. Um, so, you know, it, it'll, it'll pertain to every manager to, uh, to manage uh, that carefully. Clearly, if, you know, investors want to access uh, their capital in, in you know, uh, call it challenging economical cycles, um, you, you will need to be able to, uh, to honor those, uh, the redemption features of the, of the fund. And I think this is where, um, you know, the manager will need to pay particular uh, attention. Thanks, Emmerich. That'll be really interesting to see how they play out. And Jérôme, could you please just outline firstly what the expected timeline is of the ELTIF revisions coming into effect, please? The ELTIF amendments um, have been proposed by the European Commission, and those proposals have been reviewed by the Parliament and the Council. These three institutions are currently negotiating amongst themselves uh, to reach a compromise, which should happen later this year. The revised text will then be published and will become applicable within six months uh, of publication. We therefore expect the new regime to be in place early next year. Okay, thanks. That's helpful. And do you see any broader opportunities, Jérôme, for non-EU managers to take advantage of the amended ELTIF regime? What I find interesting is that a large US private assets manager are seeking to develop private wealth solution channels. As a consequence, we see a strong flow of new Luxembourg funds designed for semi-retail investors. These mirror products successfully launched in the US as REITs for real estate or BDCs for private debt. In Luxembourg, the vehicle of choice is a part two fund, a regulated fund that may onboard retail investors. In addition to real estate and private debt, there are also a number of projects for private equity or infrastructure. These funds are typically open-ended, offering a monthly liquidity of 2% or 5% per quarter. The interest in non-institutional money is clearly promising for LTIFs. It, however, remains to be seen if the LTIF constraints, even following the flexibilities uh, we just talked about, will be considered as an acceptable consideration for benefiting from the EU passport to market to retail investors. Thanks. That sounds like that would be a positive outcome for the LTIF. And finally, Michael, turning to you now, when it comes to servicing an LTIF and the real assets it holds, are there any specific considerations for security services providers? Well, on, on one hand, an LTIF is a retail distribution product. On the other hand, it's also a closed-end private assets fund. And looking at the traditional closed-end private assets funds, these are typically structured for institutional investors and the private assets that they hold are in most cases, few, large, and opportunity-based. So in order to match that illiquid investment side, uh, the funds operate with commitment and call-based subscriptions where money is called uh, from investors only when the cash is needed. So one of the important operational questions when structuring an LTIF, at least where the investments are illiquid, is 
can you actually replicate this commitment call based type of subscriptions in the LTIF? Do the transfer agent and distribution network support this? Standard is not supported, so you need to, to look out for that. And even if it is supported, are the targeted LTIF investors familiar and ready for this process? If you're not able to replicate it, uh, there is a liquidity gap that needs to be managed. And uh, the default option is then to accept subscription capital into the fund upfront and keep liquidity in the fund until the time when the target investment opportunities come up. And this is not ideal because it can cause a drag on the fund's performance and you may also end up with residual cash that cannot be deployed. So this is a key consideration and something to discuss with the transfer agent and fund administrator. Okay, th thank you, Michael, for sharing those servicing considerations. Emmerich, Jérôme and Michael, thank you all so much for joining me today to share your knowledge on the LTIF. It's been really fascinating to gain all your insights into the LTIF in its current form and the impact the proposed amendments might have on its uptake. We will, of course, continue to watch closely as the regulatory proposals progress. If clients have any questions on the LTIF, please follow up with your HSBC representative. Back to you. Thanks, Gabriella. Thanks so much, Very, Amérique, uh, Jérôme, and Michael. The topic has been really interesting for me as well. I would like to thank you for listening to this edition in our series of Reg Talks podcasts. We hope that you enjoyed learning more about the European Long-Term Investment Fund. Stay tuned for more from our podcast as we explore more trends in the coming weeks. Thank you for listening today. This has been HSBC Global Viewpoint, Banking and Markets. For more information about anything you've heard in this podcast or to learn about HSBC's global services and offerings, please visit gbm.hsbc.com.